Well, good morning, church. Thank you for uh, joining us online this morning. I hope everybody is uh, staying warm. And, uh, and I also hope there's a whole bunch of snow outside because uh, wouldn't that be funny if we, we cancel in-person services and then the big storm of the century never, never hits. Uh, but anyway, uh, today we are in uh, our very final week of our New Year series. And, and so the past several weeks, we've been talking about, um, you know, different things. We've been talking about, like, next steps that you could take and, and just things to consider as we uh, move into the new year, 2022. And then uh, next week, we are going to begin a, a brand new series uh, called uh, I Want a New Marriage. Now, I didn't pick that title. Pastor AJ picked that title, so just remember that. Uh, it's called I, I Want a New Marriage, and so uh, it'll be, uh, I think, four weeks uh, talking about uh, topics regarding uh, marriage and such. So anyhow, let's just get into it today. It's really strange um, preaching to an empty room. Uh, but, but that's what I'm doing. I've got actually an audience of five. We've got, uh, Chris is here helping us record, and my son Caleb is here. And then we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so uh, we've got enough to have church. Um, so let's get into it. We are on our last week, as I said, of the New Year's series. And really, I love everything about New Year's. Like, like just the, the, the kinds of things that it brings to mind. Uh, you know, because when we, we think about New Year's, we, we oftentimes think about uh, new beginnings, and we think about second chances, and, and we think about hope and expectation and, and possibility of something new, and, and we think about growth and, and change, and we think about how, you know, the old things are gone and, and new things are coming, and it's probably obvious why I love all of those sorts of ideas, because uh, it's those things that inhabit the Christian message. It's those types of things that we see all throughout the story of the Bible. You know, newness and fresh starts and expectation and possibility and second chances and hope of a future and all these great things. I guess that's why I love the story of the Bible. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite and probably one of the most beneficial things uh, that I had to do as I was uh, going through the process of, you know, local licensed minister to uh, ordained minister, one of, one of the, the favorite and most beneficial things I had to do was to uh, articulate the story of the Bible from Genesis to Jesus. And it's just a, a fascinating exercise but if I were to, to change that assignment, like if I was ever in a position where, where I got to make requirements of, of people going through the process or, or maybe just suggestions to, you know, something for any Christian to do, I would change the assignment to be, tell the story of God from Genesis to Jesus to you. To you right now. The story of God from Genesis to Jesus to, to where you are right now. And, and so if it's okay with you, and since I don't hear anybody protesting, 
Uh, we're going to try to do that today. We're going to try to just to explore the, the story of God from Genesis to Jesus to you. And I know that's quite the undertaking to do on a Sunday morning and, and maybe even more so to do on a Sunday morning when everybody's comfortable at home in their pajamas and their coffee. And I know that at any time, you know, you could check out and start watching cat videos on YouTube. But we're going to go for it anyway because this is way more exciting than a cat playing a piano. I guess that's a thing. Anyway, so the, uh, the story of the Bible, it, it starts how, well, a lot of stories start. It starts at the beginning with those famous words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was empty. And, and the earth was formless. And the earth was dark. Doesn't sound like a place you'd want to be, but the Spirit of God was there. And into the darkness, God spoke, and there was light. And into the, the disorder and the formlessness, God spoke, and He separated the, the water from the land and from the sky, and He created order. And into that which was completely void of life, God spoke and brought life. Then God made humans. And he placed you and me in the garden. And he gave us the responsibility to, to be, or the identity to be his image bearers, and the responsibility to, to take care of the garden, and to be fruitful, and to multiply, and things were good. But then, the enemy enters the scene. The adversary, the deceiver, the serpent, the tempter, the, our enemy enters the scene and, and stirs up within us desires that were contrary to the, to the desires of our creator. Desires that would say, you, you don't want to be image bearers of God. You don't want to be representations of God. You want to be God. Maybe even you want God to, to be made in your image. And so this desire was stirred up inside of us, and, and it was, when it was conceived, it gave birth to sin. And when sin was full grown, it brought forth death, and death spread to all people because all sinned. And death would overcome all life, and it would bring darkness, and it would bring chaos, and, and it would grow to a point where, where every thought within us was always evil all the time. But the Spirit of God was there. And God's hand was upon Noah, and God uses Noah to, to preserve this damaged, distorted, what was left of life and light and order and creation. It was preserved. But yet, we still resist. Yet, we, we still have these things stirring up inside of us, yet still operating out of our pride in this misguided confusion. We, we try to make our own order, our own structures, our own kingdom. We build a tower. 
a tower that we think will, will reach us all the way up to God, and we could overthrow God. But God, out of his love and his grace and his compassion towards us, comes down and confuses our confusion, comes down, confuses our, our language, and spreads us out throughout all of the earth. And time kind of passes, and time moves on, and we think, well, has God forgotten about creation? Has God abandoned creation? What is God going to do? And, and things, I'm sure, might have seemed dark and empty and chaotic, but the Spirit of God was there. And God calls Abram. Abram, whose name later is changed to Abraham. And through Abraham, God brings life and God begins to establish his, his order uh, again in creation. And Abraham has a son and his son's name is Isaac. And Isaac has a son. His son's name is Jacob. And Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And he has 12 sons. And, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And I'd really like to say things were looking good, but we know that's just not the case because as the story continues to unfold, we see that these people that God loved, these people that God had chosen, these people that God was intent on using to be a blessing to all other people, these people, they ended up in slavery. They ended up in bondage. They ended up in Egypt being oppressed. But God was there. And God sends Moses. And you know the story, you've seen it in the movies. And, and God uses Moses to free his people. And it takes some time, and there's a lot to the story, and we're missing out on a lot of the details, but eventually, these people, they inherit the land that God had promised to them. And they, they go through some good times and some bad times, and it's kind of this big roller coaster ride, and, and eventually, the, the nation of Israel is kind of established into a, a world power, and David is their king, and, and things are looking really good. Uh, but still, within humanity, there's those desires and those things stirring within that say, we want to be God. We want to be in charge. And so we continue to rebel. We continue to make idols. We continue to sin against God. And, and, and this sin brings about death. And so this once great nation becomes torn apart and is split into two and, and there becomes evil king after evil king after evil king and, and it seems like the people are, are moving farther and farther away from God. But God is still there. And God sends prophet after prophet after prophet to, to warn them and to call them back. To call them to repentance, to call them back to their creator, back to their father. But the people don't listen. And they continue in their idolatry. They continue in their sin. And it leads to more death, to more destruction. First, it's the Assyrians. The Assyrians come and they, they overthrow the northern kingdom of Israel. They scatter all the people. 
And then a couple hundred years pass, and the Babylonians come, and they come, and they take over the, the, the southern kingdom of Judah. Not only do they take over, they go and they destroy Jerusalem. And they destroy the temple. And they, they take the people, God's chosen people, into captivity. And now the land, this promised land, was empty of the inhabitants of Israel. And I'm sure things seemed dark and things seemed chaotic and things seemed terrible. But God was there. God was at work. And, and as the story unfolds, uh, we see that Persia comes along and they, they take over Babylon. And, and through a series of events, uh, the nation of Israel is allowed to, be, uh, to return back home. And they're allowed to, to begin rebuilding. And so they rebuild the temple and they rebuild Jerusalem. And things are looking good, but... Even though things were looking good, it just wasn't quite the same. Uh, it felt like a, a cheap knockoff of how it once was. The, the new normal that they have received was a big letdown. And even though they were uh, at home and, and even though things were looking good, they were still under control of foreign powers and foreign rulers and and as time kind of marched forward, well, the people of Israelite would remain under the control of foreign powers. First it was Babylon, then it was Persia, then it was, would be the Greeks, and then the Romans. And, and for 400 years, there's darkness and emptiness and silence and people wondering where God is at and when God is going to do something. And there's this growing longing within them for something to change. And this is exactly the history. This is exactly the time when Jesus enters the scene. And that brings us to, to the passage that I want to read today. This is found in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. And we should be able to get it on your screen for you. It says this, Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I want to pause right there. I, I really like this passage. And, and if I thought you would put up with it, I would probably spend a couple hours talking about it, but there's cat videos, and I don't want to take that risk. And so we'll just spend a little bit of time right here. See, this is Luke's story of how Jesus began his public ministry. Each of the gospel writers talk about this a little bit different. There's this time, this moment when Jesus began his public ministry. Uh, Matthew and Mark, they're, they're similar to each other. They, you know, they, they kind of tell the story. They, they've got the, the baptism of Jesus. They've got the temptation of Jesus. And then Jesus kind of uh, emerges onto the scene, uh, preaching. Uh, and his message, uh, worded a little bit differently in Matthew and Mark, but it's essentially the same. It's repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus emerging onto the scene. 
And John, uh, he tells it it's way different than the others. Uh, His story of how Jesus kind of began his public ministry, well, Jesus is at a party and the wine runs out and so Jesus turns the water into wine. You probably know the story. And, but all of these stories, though different, they, they are communicating something very similar. And that thing is uh, it, something new is happening. Something new is happening. And so this is Luke's story. And Luke has Jesus uh, moving in the power of the Spirit. And he goes into Galilee and he's preaching and he's teaching. And, and we're not sure exactly what he's preaching at this point. We just know he's traveling around, he's preaching, and people are really liking it. And so his popularity is growing. His fame is growing. And his travels finally bring him back home. His hometown, Nazareth. And it's the Sabbath. And so he goes to synagogue because that's what his custom was. That's what they would do on the Sabbath. They would go to synagogue. And he stands up to read. Now, maybe he was asked to read ahead of time because of his growing popularity. Maybe it was just his turn. Maybe uh, he asked to read. We don't know what happened, but he, he stood up to read, and he was handed the scroll that he would be reading from, and he knew exactly where he wanted to go, and he had been thinking about this perhaps ahead of time, and he knew exactly what he wanted to read. He knew exactly what he wanted to say, and he, so he found that spot in the scroll, and he opens up, and he begins... To read. Now, first we got to remember, though, this was yes a, a huge, momentous moment. We'll, we'll see this, but but he's in Nazareth. Nazareth is a small, insignificant, out of the way town. There's nothing special about Nazareth. It was just this little place. Remember, it, it's the place that you know in other, in other parts of the Bible where they ask, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And so, he's not in a great big church where there's a great big, you know, production and a big budget. It was a simple building in a simple, small, out-of-the-way town. And on a typical Saturday, there probably wasn't very many people sitting around, gathered around. Maybe a little bit more that Saturday because of Jesus' popularity and fame. But you you have to remember, though, that this was the Sabbath, and they didn't travel far on the Sabbath. And so maybe there wasn't a lot of people. So Jesus stands up to read. They hand him the scroll. He knows exactly what he wants to say. And he turns right to that page, and he opens up, and and, and he begins to read... Read to these people that we got to remember they were Jewish people. They were under the oppression of the Roman government. They, they were longing so much for, for something to change. They were waiting for the oppression to be over. They were waiting for, for promises to be fulfilled. They, they were waiting for Rome to be crushed and to, to face the judgment and the punishment that it deserved. They were waiting for their own freedom. And so Jesus has handed this scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he knows exactly what he wants to read. He knows exactly what he wants to say. And he turns to the page. He begins to read. He begins to read to these people that were probably tired, 
and worn out. They, they worked long and hard days. They had all kinds of things going on in their life and in their world. They, they were probably very uh, unhappy with the, the political climate of the day. And they all probably had their own reasons to feel like the world they were in was a little bit chaotic. A little bit dark. A little bit empty. Maybe they were asking the question, where is God? So Jesus is handed the scroll. And he knows just what he wants to say. And he knows just where to turn. And he he goes there and he begins to read. And this is what it says in in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I just love this scene from Luke. Jesus reads from the scroll. Then he very calmly kind of rolls it back up, hands it back, and sits down. And the anticipation in the room is building and building. and Everybody's looking at him, wondering what he's going to say, wondering what he's going to do next. And that's when he drops it on him. Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, something new is happening. Today, something big is happening. Today, you are on the the front seat of something really important. Today, this has been fulfilled. See, when, when Jesus entered the scene, when Jesus entered into history, everything changed. Something new was happening. The kingdom of God was coming and has come to earth, and it began to encroach upon our reality. When Jesus entered the scene, it was the time of the Lord's favor. Now, I think when the people heard this, it began to spark inside of them Imagination, possibility, hope. Now, don't get me wrong, they they didn't really understand everything that was happening. They didn't really understand what Jesus was saying because in in just a handful of verses, they're going to get really upset at some of the things Jesus says and they're going to want to kill him. But in this brief moment, 
I think we can see just a a glimmer of faith, a glimmer of something, a a glimmer of possibility, a glimmer of holy imagination, a glimmer that they sort of kind of almost began to understand something awesome was happening. And so Luke tells us, and this is Luke chapter 4, verse 22. He tells the story this way. He says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? See, they they understood a little bit. They were amazed at what he said, and and they were thinking about the possibility, and I I think the the thinking about the possibility, their, 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 their minds started trying to connect some dots, and it led to this question, isn't this Joseph's son? Now, in other places in the Bible, like in, in uh, Matthew's gospel and John's gospel, uh, people ask this sort of question, like, isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? You know, what's so special about him? We, we know who he is. And, and they ask this question as a way to, to voice their skepticism, to, to voice their disapproval, you know, those sorts of things. But I, I don't think... That's what Luke has in mind when he recorded this question. I don't think that's what's happening in this story. I think it's something else because up until this point in the story, Jesus was getting a very warm welcome. Jesus was being accepted Jesus was being heard. It talks about how he, people were amazed and how they, they, he was praised and, and how their attention was, was fixated on him, waiting for, for the words that he would speak. And so there's no reason to think that when they asked this question that they meant anything negative by it. And so what did they mean? What were they getting at? What's, what could they possibly be really asking when they asked this question? I, I think a clue is given to us if we were to jump back just one chapter in the Gospel of Luke. And, and see these words that Luke had just gotten finished telling us. And this is Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 23. It says this Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, he was the son of. So it was thought of Joseph. And Luke from there goes on, and he traces the lineage of Jesus all throughout all these generations. And if you were to read through that, you'd see a lot of names you don't recognize, and you'd see, see a lot of names that you did recognize. You'd see names like David and Abraham. You'd see uh, names like Noah. And he traces this all the way back to the very beginning to God. See, Luke is essentially, in those verses, telling us the story of Israel in genealogy form. Luke was pointing out in in this lineage, in, in genealogy form, how God has been working throughout all of history. And how all of that history has led up to that point, to that moment, right there. Jesus, the son of Joseph. Jesus, the son of God, right there. In the synagogue, in Nazareth, opening up the scroll, knowing exactly what he wanted to read. 
and saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. See, when Luke records that question, isn't this Joseph's son? I I think he wants our attention to go back to that genealogy and to see the, the story of God all throughout history coming to that one point and to see that, that in Jesus, God in the flesh, God incarnate, that, that God was doing something new, that God was doing something big, that God was establishing his kingdom here on earth. Now, after Jesus taught these things, and they were amazed, he kept talking and people began to not like everything that he had to say and they were a little bit upset and so they very quickly they try to kill him he escapes and Jesus would spend the next 3 years traveling around the countryside and teaching us and showing us and demonstrating for us what exactly the kingdom of God was all about And then at the end of those three years, we killed him. And we killed him because those desires that were stirring up inside of us, desires for control, desires for, for the status quo, desires that we would be God and in charge, well, they, they didn't like what Jesus was saying, and so we killed him. And we nailed him to a cross. And we buried him in a grave, put him out of sight and out of mind, and we're going to get on with our life. And then on the third day, on the third day, Jesus rose again. And he appeared to many people. For 40 days, he, he appeared to his disciples and, and to many others. And, and at the end of that time, and 40 days later, this is what happened. He, he gathers around with his disciples. And Luke tells it this way. This is in the book of Acts that Luke also wrote. And this is in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. Jesus speaking. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white robes stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. See, their their instinct was to stand there and look up into the sky and wonder where Jesus was. Uh, we sometimes have that same temptation today. But here we are, 2,000 years later, 
and, and each of our stories and each of our paths, uh, us who have put our faith in Christ. You know, our, our stories are different. The paths we have taken to get here might be a little bit different, but we have found Christ and we have become part of this story because we are the poor in spirit that have heard the good news proclaimed because we are those that were imprisoned and oppressed by sin and guilt and shame and we have been set free and, and we are those that were blind, but now we see and we don't stand around looking up into the sky Wondering where Jesus went. Because we know where he went. We know where he is. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is sitting enthroned in his kingdom. And he will come again. But until then, until then, the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is on us. The Spirit of God is among us. The Spirit of God has formed us into the church. The Spirit of God has formed us and made us to be the body of Christ. And we live in faith each and every day, then, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, and even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, but we live in faith that God has established his kingdom on earth. And we as his people will continue to live in that kingdom and will continue to build that kingdom. And so as we wrap up today, the question the thing, the, the challenge that, that I will leave you with today is this question. How can you, in your day-to-day -day life, uh, in, in participation with the Holy Spirit, how can you contribute to the kingdom of God? Will you allow God to open up your eyes to, to the opportunities that are so often disguised as inconveniences or interruptions and allow God to use you to continue his kingdom? How, how can you, in your life, and in participation with the, with the Holy Spirit, and in, and in participation with the various ministries and opportunities of the church, how can you, as God's people, bring light into the darkness, bring order to the chaos, bring life to the emptiness? How will you participate in the building of the kingdom of God. See, that's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Jesus to you. And the only thing that we are left to answer is what will we do with our part of the story? Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for your word. 
Thank you so much that your hand has been upon all of creation from the beginning until now. Lord, we we thank you that, that you have established your kingdom on earth. We thank you that with Jesus, everything changed. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us the the wisdom and the ears to hear this message so that we would know exactly what to do with it. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to, to spark inside of us holy imagination and possibility of what just might be if we lived as people with the faith that you have already established your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray you'd make your word real and true to us today. And, God, I I just pray for each family that has tuned in today, watching online. I pray that your hand, your blessing would be upon them, that you'd keep them uh, safe, keep them warm. And, Lord, you would challenge them in the ways that only you can and that you would encourage them in only ways that you can and that you would bring comfort to them in ways that only you can. And we pray this in Jesus' name. I pray that you will be blessed this morning and this week as you go and spread the kingdom of God. Amen.